Feel the inevitability of time wrapping itself around my shoulders. Life itself is fleeting for me. I have been a dishonest man in many ways, and never more so than during that infamous case at Boughton Manor. My mind travels again to 1928. Ulchrist and I had spent the day interviewing our many and numerous suspects. We had been informed by an intoxicated tawny that Annabella had asked Anderson for a specific poison as insurance. Unfortunately, according to Tawny's account anyway, her jealousy of Bella had led her to interrupt the interaction before any such transaction could take place. More and more connections with Toulouse were discovered. Not only was Simone Dratage's family there, but Elena Drake had lived there also. We learned that Elena Drake was actually a married woman, though according to her, her husband had disappeared almost a decade ago. Then there was the enigmatic butler, Trescott, about whom we still had not learned much, but I knew he had a connection to Elena Drake. And my gut told me he wasn't telling the truth. Lord Ashley had told us some new information, too, that he had been sent away for some time to the continent, where he had a lady love. He revealed that Samuel and Tawny had a previous long-term relationship. He also mentioned more about Samuel's mysterious paternity. And even I had found myself entangled. Yes, entangled it seemed indeed when a small scrap of partially burned paper had been found in my room with an incriminating message written upon it. Lady Agatha Wolverston had jokingly inquired if it was a love letter, though she, more than anyone, would know how far that would be from the realm of possibility. Then another tragedy. Bitsy had discovered two of the peg dolls missing, and sure enough, the boy Donald had a terrible fall from a balcony three stories up. Where is Anne? Please find her, Mr. Fig. We must find her. As Lady Susan went to rise from her bed, she gave a peculiar sigh and fell back. I assumed she had fainted. Miss Carraway, can you... Please take care of her. You said the boy is by the orangerie. Ring for Trescott and have him send Ochris to me immediately. Yes, Mr. Fig. What about... Anne? We will look for her next. I wound my way through the halls and out towards the orangerie. I could see the boy's still form, 
Next to him, there was something blinking and gleaming. I sped up my pace and crossed to him, kneeling to retrieve what I could now see was a shining piece of glass. The broken eyes of glass can see the evil hidden from human sight. A shiver passed through my spine. Why had that quote snuck into my brain? He's alive! Miss Cataway sent me. Good God, did the poor lad fall? It appears so. The real question is whether he was pushed. I don't know that we should move him. Well, let me see. I have some medical training. I was actually an army surgeon in the war. Why do you walk like her? They are the same. They walk the same. They sounded like her. Poor lad's running a fever. We need to get him inside. I cannot tell if there's more substantial injuries as yet, but he certainly appears concussed. Let's get him into the library. It's just through those doors. Simone is with Lady Susan. I wanted to come and help. Wonderful. Can you open the doors to the library? We can put Master Donald on the couch in there. Absolutely. Is he going to be all right? Well, he's talking already, so let's hope so. He's certainly going to be needing a little while to rest and recover. As Bitsy went inside to open the doors, I produced the bit of glass that I had found. This was by the body. I believe we've seen these before. Oh, indeed we have. What were you saying earlier about a kaleidoscope, Mr. Fig? These bits of glass have an odd way of showing up again and again, don't they? We moved Donald into the library with great care. I was grateful for Ocrest. In that moment, at least. Miss Carraway... Uh, thank you so much for your help. Uh, can you send Anderson Watts down here? I can actually put his little medical bag of tricks to good use in this instance. Of course. Has has Donald said anything about how how this happened? He did say something about people walking the same and sounding the same. Any idea to whom he may be referring? Hmm. Maybe Anne and her mother... I still haven't found her. Anne, I mean, I'm a bit worried. Lady Susan was quite frantic. Yes, that is concerning. If you have everything under control here, I may take a stroll around the grounds and see if I can find Miss Anne. I'll be fine. Watch out for broken glass. <laughs> I'm not, not sure what that means, but I'll go and get Mr. Anderson for you, Inspector. After chatting with old Chris for a few minutes more, out of earshot from the rest of the house, we made a plan to hold a meeting that evening. A meeting with everyone. Meanwhile, I felt that a walk around the gardens could do a great deal to organize my thoughts. The gardens were expansive and had at one time obviously been highly manicured. Now, I knew that there was only a man who came in once or twice a week to tend them, and the lawns were still pretty, But the flower beds, when one looked close, had weeds circling the pretty flowers. Weeds circling the flowers. Why did I feel like that was a metaphor for this case? And that's what the house felt like, too. I had felt that it was expectant. But it was more than that. It it felt... 
It felt inhabited by something insidious, a malevolent presence. I felt the goose walk over my grave again. What was wrong with me? Broken glass, ghost, druid circles. It was all so superstitious. Like the magician with the rabbit in the hat. Huh. Rabbits. Beloved Sergeant Sprinkles. Dead. Lying twisted and broken like Donald. Like Donald. They, they, they look the same. Who does? But what about the dolls? Oh, <laughs> excuse me, Monsieur Fig. I uh, did not see you there. Oh, oh no, no, no. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I was lost in my own thoughts. I thought you were with Lady Susan. Oh, the poor lady was so tired. She was just sleeping, so I thought I would let her rest. Simone, wait. Oh, hello, Mr. Fig. Are you enjoying the rarity of our sunny day here, too? It is a beautiful day. I was actually just having a little think about... <laughs> about... well, everything. Have either of you seen Anne? Not recently. Lady Wilverston was talking to me about possibly taking over their lessons if they are to be here for a while. Do you happen to know for how long they will be asked to stay? We plan to have a meeting this evening to discuss all of that. I'm sure that a lot of things will be clarified. <laughs> Were you two out enjoying the sun together? Yes, I was wanting to interview uh, Miss... No, of course not. I was wanting to interview Miss Rotage for my book. Ah, your book! I had forgotten about that. How is that coming along? Well, it's been very hard to get anything done. I've been... I've been so upset. But I thought that interviewing Miss Rotage here would be a good way to get back on the old horse, so to speak. Quite. Well, I will see you both this afternoon for the meeting. I couldn't help but feel like they had been lying to me. Was there a romantic tryst of some sort happening? Or something else? I genuinely liked Samuel. And Simone seemed a good sort too, but why would they keep it a secret? I turned to look over my shoulder. Both Samuel and Simone were standing still and staring at me. I quickly turned my head. How very odd. I would have some answers, at least on one or two things, that very afternoon. I had sent some inquiries through certain avenues and expected word by telegram. That would help my thoughts organize themselves. I hoped, anyway. My eyes were caught by a glimpse of white fluttering. I turned my head. Yes, there it was again, from under a hedgerow. I crossed the lawns to investigate. I heard a voice from within. And please protect Donald from her. I didn't want him to die. Don't let her find me. Don't let her find me. 
Amen. Anne? I didn't do it. I didn't mean to. Don't tell her I'm here. Don't tell her I'm here. I crouched next to the girl who was huddled into a small ball, knees curled up against her chest, with her eyes staring from beneath her dark fringe. She was rocking back and forth in a self-soothing way. But her lips trembled. Around her, I saw that there was the shoebox of dolls, pieces of glass, and a single fluttering white cloth. It's all right, Anne. I'm here. I I won't let anyone find you. But I need to know why you're frightened and why you've been putting dolls and pieces of glass everywhere. Ellie told me to. Ellie? But why? She said it was to protect us. Now stay still, Miss Anne. Your air is so tangled. (laughs) Were you running backwards through a bramble bush again? No, silly. I just can't reach the back of my head with my comb. Ellie, tell me about your mum again. How she healed people, I mean. Well, my mum was the seventh daughter of the seventh daughter. And my people were the original people of Britain. People call them druids now. That's why we all have the sight. She was extra powerful because of her magical birthright. The number seven is magical? Of course it is. What are they teaching you in those fancy lessons anyway? I do love it when you visit Anne. No one else wants to hear my stories. Why not? I love them. It's what I look forward to most. They think it's superstition. Most of them anyway. Some of them know we see too much. We can see the evil within. You can see evil? Who has it? (laughs) It's not like the chicken pox or the flu, silly goose. There's them who has it here for certain, mark my words. I've told Miss Annabella it's coming for her. I've seen it. I told her I have the sight, just like my mum, but she won't listen. But I don't want anything to happen to Bella. She's the nicest person I know. She always listens to me. Not like Mama and Papa. Devil won't look into glass for fear of seeing his true self. Just remember that, Anne. Oh, and those little peg dolls Bitsy has you playing with? I didn't know you knew about those. Bitsy says they help me understand my feelings. I know everything what's hidden in this house, silly. But those dolls, you could make them into lucky talismans. Dress them to look like people. It can protect them from the evil. Can protect you too. This house is built on magic ground. It'll respond. So I made little costumes for the dolls. I didn't want Bitsy to see because I thought she'd worry. So you've been putting the dolls near people you think are in danger? As protection? The same with the glass? What about the ghost? Is that you too? Not near them. I've been slipping them into their pockets so they have them with them, same as the glass. I didn't do the ghost. I found this piece of white material floating by the orangery. But I promise I didn't put it there. I promise. Yes, it's, it's all right. I see Ellie meant a lot to you. Oh, you've lost so much this weekend. I'm, I'm so sorry, Anne. But, but why are you hiding? Because she found them, and then she yelled at me, and she got angry with Donald, and I'm afraid she's the evil, or one of them. And I'm scared that she's hurt Donald. He's so awful to me, but he isn't truly bad. I don't want him to die. My heart was divided. One part went out to this poor child, for she was truly grief-stricken. 
the other half skipped a beat with joy that she, a 12-year-old girl, was innocent of these murders. But there was a question that begged to be asked. Anne, if you trust me, I can stop the evil. But tell me, who is this person of whom you're so afraid? Simone. I had returned Anne to the capable hands of Bitsy Carraway, with strictest instructions to keep her safe until we all reconvened. Simone Dratage? <laughs> well, that provided a new piece to this large and intricate puzzle. Or kaleidoscope, if you will. I was grateful that the supernatural element had been mainly removed. I looked at my notes to gather my wits for the upcoming gathering. Or Christ and I would both be leading the meeting, but I had a feeling I had more tricks up my sleeve than he. The notes I would use as my guide were as follows. Rabbits. An unexpected lie. Who knew Samuel's father? Tawny's sobriety. A visit to history. After underlining the last one with a curious pit of dread in my stomach, I straightened my tie in the mirror and readied myself to face the storm. Uh, I'm so glad to see you all here. I am hopeful that Master Donald will perhaps be able to join us a little later. I am so glad my baby is going to be all right. It's so hard for me to be away from him. Susan, he'll be along shortly. We are all glad that he's fine, though I do wish someone would tell me how the boy managed to fall almost to his death. Oh, we will assuredly get to that in due time. Now... You have been gathered here today as Mr. Fig and I believe we have pieced together the myriad sections of this kaleidoscopic puzzle, and we want to share our findings with you. Now, I had asked all of you to stay here while we pursued our inquiries, and I am grateful to you all for that. Uh, I must make it clear that the reason we asked that of you was simple. The murders could not have been done by anyone from the outside. Not what possible. Now, Poppycock. Aye, aye. So we thank you in advance, and we will hopefully be able to let most of you return to your routines at the end of this meeting. I say, does that mean you're carting one of us off to jail at the end of this then? <laughs> Tony, please do be quiet. I'm sure these gentlemen don't need your interjections to increase the general hysteria of this environment. Oh, now that it's a valid question. Let me just answer by saying that we will wait and see what happens. Now, I have spoken to the solicitors who were in receipt of Lady Annabella's will, and I have been granted permission to share its contents with you. I had been trying to contact them all blasted morning. The name of Scotland Yard can sometimes open a few otherwise closed doors. If I may. 
please. I, for one, am certainly curious as to what my little cousin chose to do with her final hours. Oh, Ronald, so morbid. <clears throat> this is the final will and testament of one Annabella Agatha Boughton. <laughs> she was named after me, you know. Let me uh, let me skip down to what I know you're most interested in. Here is the amendment made to the will, written in Lady Annabella's own hand. It is with sound mind and body that I make this change. I do want to offer an explanation in the event that something should befall me, in an untimely way, I mean. For the past, well, couple of years, if I'm honest, I have felt a sense of danger closing in on me, it has been something that I've made light of publicly, but have felt constantly anxious about in private. I want to amend my will to include the following. The house and grounds, plus allowance to maintain, to Lady Wolverston. Half of my financial assets in trust to my young cousins Anne and Donald. This trust will be overseen by Ronald and Susan, and they may draw a modest allowance from it per annuum. The rest of my estate is to be divided between my dearest friends and family of the heart, Simone Drotage, Samuel Cowart, and Tony Belmont. I understand this was an amendment from Ronald initially inheriting the lion's share. Was the stupid girl really afraid I would bump her off? Ronald, she probably just knew that you couldn't be trusted with money. Susan, I have had enough. There is one more proviso, but I will discuss that at a later date if needed. Now to the matter at hand. We have had two murders here in as many days, and two more attempted murders. I defer to my esteemed colleague, Mr. Sheldon Fig, to share what he has discovered on this matter. I was invited to attend Lady Annabella's birthday and to liven up the conversation by my dear friend, Lady Wolverston. And I am so glad you could come, Sheldon, darling. It's just... Ever since I arrived, there has been a sense of... I think I can say expectancy. Yes, an expectation of doom. I have found myself given to flights of fantasy and seeking information on such varied things as witches, druid circles, and the evil eye. But in the back of my head has always been the sense of a magician turning my head. Yes, turning my head away from what actually matters. You have all been telling me half-truths, as well as a couple of outright lies. Miss Anne and I had a chat in the garden, and I now at least understand where our ghosts were coming from. You have found the ghosts? I believe so, but I don't want to speak about that. First, I want to discuss a rabbit. A rabbit who was beloved by two children and died. Why would you bring this up? What on earth would be helped by dredging this up now? It's all right. It can't be helped, remember. You just have to breathe and say it. Say it with me. You cannot help what they said. What have I always told you? It will be fine. You are not to blame, not for anything that happened. It can't be helped. It can't be helped. What? Mr. Fig, but 
Weren't you talking about my children and Sergeant Sprinkles? Who's that? Your children? What? B but I thought... Yes, you thought I was speaking about the incident in your family, where you and your brother were playing with a beloved pet. And I think there was a fight? And the rabbit? He died? And one of you was sent away? They blamed me. They said I did it. But I didn't. I didn't do it. He fell. And then... Bertram... He twisted him. Poor Felix. That was our rabbit. I couldn't stop Bertram. I tried. Then everyone was there and I... was holding him. Felix, I mean. I've never been good with words. I just clammed up. Like I always do. Like an idiot. And Bertram pointed and said it was me. Cried. He pointed and kept pointing. And I stood there. And they believed him. You cannot help what they said. What have I always told you? It will be fine. You are not to blame, not for anything that happened. You see, when I first arrived, Lord Ashley mentioned that I had helped his family with a, a matter of some delicacy. Which is correct. But yesterday, when asked directly, he said it was an issue of poison pen letters. Which, forgive me, Lord Ashley, is only partially true. I couldn't imagine why he would lie. Until I realized that someone else was involved. Someone whose identity he was trying to protect. How is this related to anything with these horrible murders? Can't we just get to the point? There's no use torturing the poor man. Lady Susan, I was intrigued that you were the one to hire Miss Bitsy Carraway. And that the primary reason was, to quote your husband, that she was especially great with children. Can I be blamed that I wanted to find the best for my children? Oh, no, no, forgive me. I was not aware that the children's care, or more specifically, their mental health was typically the work of a secretary. But I was afraid if I... Yes, you were afraid that your children had inherited the old Buckingham madness. So what did you do? With whom could you possibly discuss this concern? And then you remembered. Well, after the issue with the rabbit. Good God. No. You remembered that the Carringtons had two sons and Ashley had been sent away to the continent for a rest. It was odd how similar the situations were. I had, of course, only heard rumors, and after the other issues with Bertram, forgive me, Ashley, I, I don't want to speak out of turn. The cat's out of the bag now. Go ahead, Mr. Fig. You can fill everyone in. I'm truly sorry, Lord Ashley, to add to any embarrassment. I am afraid, as I said to Miss Drake earlier, that any and all skeletons will be pulled from their closets today. May I be excused for a lie down? I'm afraid I'm not feeling up to this at the moment. I have a splitting headache. Uh, Lady Wolverston, I can probably get you something for that. Young man, I don't believe in taking drugs. No, 
thank you. I'm afraid that we do need you to stay for the moment, Lady Wolverston. Fine. I'll get to the point. Bertram Carrington proved to have what is now known as a psychopathic personality. He went on to kill many more family pets, as well as attempting to murder a young village woman that he accused of writing poison pen letters to his father. That young woman was the mother of our young friend, Ellie. She was beloved in the village and made sure that all the village knew what the Carrington family had done to her. Bertram met an unfortunate end, too. He fell off the footbridge one night and broke his neck. I was called into the case to prove that poor Bertram had not been murdered. It was, in fact, an accident. Though many in the village thought that he had been cursed. I say, such scandal, Ashley, old boy. And I, for one, had never heard all of that malarkey with your brother. I just knew he liked his tipple a little too much and had met a bad end. So, was young Ellie blackmailing you? Is that why she died? Good lord, man, no. I don't make a habit of talking about my family issues with all and sundry. And I hadn't realized until this very moment that it was her mother that my brother had that issue with. No, young Ellie was not a blackmailer in this instance, or ever in the most literal sense of the word. Ashley, were you in a loony bin on the continent? That sounds so deliciously tragic. Lord Ashley was sent to a very specialised clinic in Eastern Europe. His brother, you see, did an excellent job incriminating Ashley, who, for all accounts, is a sane and kind young man. Thank you, Vic. Decent of you. But Lord Ashley didn't tell the truth yesterday because there is someone here who knew him in that institution and has not been honest about their own identity. You are right, Mr. Fig. Pitsy! I'm sorry to disappoint you with this. My name is Petya Petrova. I was a newly qualified nurse at the home where Lord Ashley was staying as a teenager. I had a particular focus on helping troubled young people. He and I formed a bond. After I left to pursue my studies further, we stayed in touch. Before he returned to England, our relationship had become somewhat romantic. I didn't ever forget you. My opportunities in Europe were limited as a woman in my field. I was advised to come to England, but there were many prejudices against my people from my part of the world. English people can be close-minded. I had always spoken English as well as several other languages. Lady Susan wrote to me about helping her children. She said that a friend of a friend had spoken of me highly. She said her husband wouldn't think it was a good idea to hire a child psychologist because... Psychology is in science. It's an absolute con trick. Is what Lady Susan thought you would think. And... And I knew Ronald wouldn't hire a foreign secretary. So we came up with our little subterfuge. I would help Bitsy create her English identity, and she would be hired as a secretary who I could have help my children with any of their specific needs. I am so sorry to have deceived you all. 
I didn't expect to see you, Lord Ashley. I hadn't realized the connection between the two families. Oh, Master Donald! Nice to see you up and around, as they say. Won't you join us? Uh, we'll be wanting to hear more from you in a moment, I'm sure. Wait. I thought I saw a shadow at the window. They are back. They are washing me. Uh, will you please give Mademoiselle Simone some space? Uh, we will allow her to recover. Look here, old chap. Do you think we should move her to a different room, perhaps? It really is rather stuffy in here with us all crammed in like sardines. We will continue to keep an eye on her. Now, uh, where was I? Ah, uh, uh, yes, yes. I shared Lord Ashley's story because I realised that history is the key to this case. I am certain. Poor Ellie was not killed for anything she did directly. She was killed for her part in the greater web of all of your relationships. Then surely I am free to go. I have only been here a few short weeks, and there is a lot of work to be done. Uh, Trust, Scott. You allow me to segue perfectly into my next point. Toulouse. Pardon, sir? No matter. Would you say that Elena Drake is an intelligent woman? To the best of my knowledge. Answer this with all honesty. It's important. Do you think Elena Drake would tell a pointless and easily proven lie? I wouldn't want to accuse Miss Drake of lying about anything. That was not the question that I asked. I asked if you think she would tell a pointless and easily proven falsehood. No. In that case, I would think she would be entirely too smart to do that. Ah! Precisely. I agree with you. Now, Miss Drake confessed to us earlier that she had previously been employed in Toulouse, which, as Simone told us, is where her family is also from, and where I had solved the Distart murder mystery. I can't believe it. I was in Toulouse. I didn't lie about that. What possible reason could I have to... No, 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 no. I have checked your references and backgrounds thoroughly. You were in Toulouse. And you are married to a man who has since been missing. The lie to which I refer is when you told me that you had never seen that woman before arriving here. That woman, of course, being her. What? But I... However, as Mr. Trescott here just pointed out, you are too smart a woman to tell a lie that can easily be proved to be false. So why would you lie about something that I could so easily have checked? Well, the short answer is, Elena Drake, that you didn't lie. You have never seen this woman before you arrived here. Exactly. On my first day here, I observed what I thought was an unusual scene. You, Miss Drake, were tearing up something that Mr. Otage had shown you. You called it filth. Why don't you tell us in your own words what happened? I... do I have to? No, she is a liar. You have misunderstood. I am afraid when there's a murder on the line that you do. Mr. Otage will get your opportunity to speak in just a moment. Miss Drake, please do continue. I've been here now for seven years. 
As I told you yesterday, I'm still technically married, so I go by my maiden name. I hope that won't make you think less of me, Lady Wolverston, or doubt my ability to do the job. Yes, well, that remains to be seen. Carry on with your little story, and I shall reserve my judgment until the end of that tale. I understand that Mr. Otage had been here before I arrived, working as a sort of companion or governess to Lady Annabella, but she claimed to be from Toulouse and to have left after the distant murders had caused terrible pain to her family. Oh, but you see, as Mr. Fig had stated, I had lived in Toulouse. What I didn't say was that I had been employed by the Drottage family. Their oldest daughter, Simone, passed from influenza around the time of the Destart killings. She had never left France. I am not one to show my card, so to speak, but I knew that Simone was a fraud from the moment I met her. I never accused her of anything. I just kept my eye on her. So imagine my surprise earlier this week when I found something in her room. Miss Drotage, I need to speak with you. It's a matter of some urgency if you could step outside with me, please. Oh, of course. Miss Drotage, let me be frank. I've been taking care to double check the rooms after Ellie is cleaned. She's a good girl, but not always as thorough as I think is best. I happen to find this in your room. How dare you pry around my rooms? How dare you? What is this? This has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with me? And just what were you intending to do with a copy of my marriage license? You don't know who you're dealing with. Oh, but that's just it. I know now exactly who I am dealing with. Unless you want to make it worth my while, that is... to forget. That would be most unwise, Miss Drotage, as I also know who you are. You liar! Give it back! But I didn't give it back. I ripped it in two and sent her away. She is a liar. She is also a thief. Her and that uh, butler, they are in it together. That's why she was fired from Toulouse. She steals jewelry. I bet she has Lady Wolverston's ring. You can search everywhere, sir. I do not have that ring. No, you don't. But I do know that you and the lovely Miss Drake are involved in jewelry thieving. Though Miss Drake doesn't usually thieve herself. <laughs> do you, Elena? No, you just manage the sizable network. Network? Network of what? Butlers and housekeepers? Who else has such access to the best families in Europe? Trescott here, his real name is Mark Bellamy. He's been on the run for the past 15 years, after a particularly spectacular job at Buckingham Palace. Yes. I realised I felt a sense of threat when I met him. But it was actually déjà vu. I had seen him before when I worked that case at Buckingham Palace. But then he was working as a bodyguard. He doesn't often work as a butler. A little too rough around the edges. This, of course, was a golden opportunity that had to be grasped. But he and the lovely Elena have had some help throughout time. 
Oh yes, they definitely had some help. The druid circle things threw me off for a while, but I realized that I had heard about that before too. From Mark Bellamy, many, many years ago. He also treated me to an architectural lecture and identification of England's most powerful druid circles. All that being said, you're quite right, Trescott, or Mr. Bellamy, whichever you prefer. I have searched all the rooms, and I have found Lady Wolverston's ring. Wait, my, my bag, it's gone. Where is it? It was just here. What, what are you talking about? My, my medicine bag with all of my stuff, it's gone. There was a general kerfuffle as the room shifted to try and locate the bag. I think people were eager to escape the litany of accusations that was being laid upon them. I saw Orcris keeping a close eye on those with a more criminal bend. I found it. It was under this chair. How curious. Anderson, I'll keep a close eye on it for you. Oh, wonderful. May I now continue? Uh, my apologies, Mr. Fig. It won't happen again. Please do go on. As I said, we have found Lady Wolverston's ring. I am wondering why we found it where we did. Young Master Donald? I'm sorry. I, I really am. Papa made me do it. <laughs> Son, don't bring me into your little acts of juvenile delinquency. Uh, uh, you say you found Aunt Aggie's ring in my boy's room? Well, no, but your son just said so. He's still confused. He hit his poor little head so hard. No, Donald's telling the truth. Papa gave him strict instructions. I heard all of it. He got it to when Aunt Aggie was going to take a nap outside. Papa was supposed to collect it from our room once the coast was clear. Ronald, really? I can't believe you would stoop so low as to steal from your own family. Wasn't stealing, Auntie Eggie. More just a loan. I was going to return it, I swear. Simone? Looks like she's fainted again, chaps. Simone was laying very still and looked very pale. The ever-capable Ocris crossed to her side to take her vitals and, for the first time, lost his cool. Damn it! How did this happen? She's dead. The room erupted into general chaos. I realized that I was sweating, a rarity for me. I had so much more to explain. I looked to Orchrist. Listen! We will have to figure this out. For now, I am going to move her body into the library. Nobody else move a muscle, not a bloody muscle! It gave me a petty sense of perverse pleasure to see that Orchrist was certainly losing his cool now, too. As he hefted the petite blonde over his shoulder, I saw a bead of sweat inch its way down his face from his forehead to his chin. So, did Ashley kill Ellie for blackmailing him about his past, or Bitsy's real identity? Or did Elena kill her for exposing her in Trescott, or whatever his real name is? 
Or did Ronald do it to cover about the ring? I'm so confused. And, and who killed Bella? And who was Simone if she wasn't Simone? And how did she die? I have a splitting headache. It's all just too much. Oh, Anderson, help me. All in good time, lad. Now, before anybody else gets any funny ideas, I have officers on the way so no one can leave should they have the fancy. Before I answer any of Samuel's very valid questions, I do have one more thing I need to address. Mr. Watts, you have spoken at length about your work as a chemist and as a consultant with St. Mary's Hospital. I had a telegram from the hospital this morning. They informed me that your employment had been terminated some six months prior. But no, that's not possible. He was... Uh, he was working on um, ADN discoveries, and if he says that he was... TNA, Tony, do you ever listen? You were terminated for your continuous stealing of chemicals and prescription drugs, as well as some very newly developed poisons. They were just too simple-minded for me. I am the wave of the future. I see the way to the next century, not just this one. You can check my bag, sirs. The poisons are all accounted for and completely full. Oh, Anderson. You've been lying to me. But we're going to be married soon. You, you can't lie to your wife. That's not all he's been doing to you, Miss Belmont. Whatever do you mean? He's been keeping you on a steady cycle of uppers and downers. I saw your pupils the moment I arrived. He's playing what is commonly known as head games with you, Miss Belmont, and not just that. He's been using narcotics to assist him. I thought I had noticed that as well. I can help you with that, Miss Belmont, I promise. You mean... Things I thought were keeping me sane were actually hurting me. to give those pills to my friends and that stuff you injected me every night to call me down people were paying you for it oh were they now quite fascinating mr watts with that new and exciting information at the very least you'll be looking at some prison time purely for distributing i'll look out for you tony old bean i'm frightfully sorry this has happened but anderson but anderson we're getting married. As a point of interest, there are three empty slots for vials here, Anderson. So you're either grossly negligent or perhaps a murderer. What? How could that have happened? I'm always so careful. Mr. Fig, I'm so sorry to be a blowhard about all this. But can you please tell us if you know who killed Ellie? This is all very overwhelming. You're handling it just beautifully, though. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Petya. Oh, disgusting. How can she even look at that grasshopper of a man that way? Ronald, we can all hear you. <clears throat> Everyone I talked to told me three things. Ellie was nice, her mother was a witch, and she liked to listen around corners. Why, the first day I was here, she told me that my dear friend Agatha had possibly murdered her first husband. Told me just as easy as breathing. 
Well, of all the insolence. Elena Drake also confirmed to me that she listened around corners. A wrench was thrown into my usually orderly mind when Simone Drotage told us that the death had been one of mistaken identity and that she, Simone, was the intended victim. And then, of course, there were the death dolls, which was dear Anne, of course, trying to protect those she cared about. Protect us? How? I put them in your pockets. They're supposed to be lucky talisman. I had them already because Bitsy said I could act out how to process my emotions with them. But Ellie said to dress them like you, so to protect you. So I did. I found one in the pocket of my nightdress earlier. I was leaning over to take a sip of the water Simone had left for me and it cluttered to the floor. I quite forgot to drink my water. <laughs> no wonder, I'm still so parched. <laughs> ah, then the doll actually did its job. We tested that water, Lady Susan, and you would have been dead in an instant. What? But why? Simone did it. She is one of the evils. One of the what's? The evils. The child is right in that respect. There are several evils here. Elliot overheard Elena Drake and Trescott talking. She heard them say that Simone was dead and this woman was someone else. Being a gossip, she of course has to share the news with her young man, Harold, at the garage, but also with the greengrocer, the butcher, and any... Yes, and I'm sure the bloody candlestick maker too. What does the village gossip have to do with anything. It has everything to do with everything, you stupid man. Now just sit down and listen. English villagers are like their own living, breathing organism, with one mind and one heart. Ellie and her mother had worked for Lady Wolverstone and her deceased husband for many years. Servants know many things, as do villagers. Simone Drotage, as we know her, killed Ellie. She had to stop her saying things that could expose her true identity. My hypothesis is that she took the children up to their rooms and readied them to lie down. She then asked Ellie to come in and look at something in the orangery and dropped the statue on her head. But most importantly, she threw me off her scent by saying that she was the intended victim. Sheldon, dear, I do expect a little more from you than just a hypothesis, really. I would never disappoint you, Aggie. I also have an eyewitness. Poppy, what's that? Sweet Merry Christmas. An eyewitness? What does that mean? What? 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 No! What? Dear God! Donald, can you tell us what you saw? Well, I wasn't really sure. I always thought Simone was up to something, if I'm honest. I thought she had a thing going on with Samuel and I'd heard him arrive. Thought I might catch them in a compromising position. <laughs> anyway, I followed her. I was really disappointed that she was just showing Ellie something in her laundry, but then she picked up a statue and just dropped it on her. And Ellie fell down so, so slowly. Like, she just crumbled, and I hot-footed back to my bedroom. But, Mr. Fig, how did you know? 
when you asked yesterday if she'd had something sticking out of her ear, but I realized that you, along with Simone and Anne, had been one of the only people to see the body firsthand. So you knew what it looked like. Blast. Gave myself away. I'll have to do better next time. Let's hope there won't be a next time, dear. We're all terrible people. <laughs> there, there, old Bean. So, who was this girl who claimed to be Simone, really? Donald, earlier today you told me that they looked the same and sounded the same. Who were they? I don't remember. I know I said it, but I can't think who I meant it about. It was perhaps a conversation you overheard, or, or two people you saw together. Well, I know that I did make a remark about Simone having the same erect carriage as Aunt Agatha to her just the other day. I thought I'd rather offended her. <laughs> yes, I had noticed that too. From the back, other than the hair color, they looked like the same person. That's what it was. I remember now. I was on our balcony, trying to see if I could see down into the library. I found one of Anne's stupid dolls in my pocket and was making it look like it was going to jump from the balcony. It was rather fun. Then I heard voices. I thought that Aunt Aggie was talking to herself. Then I saw it was Simone. But she was speaking just like Aunt Aggie. She didn't sound French. And then I saw that they looked alike. Then Simone saw me. She started coming towards me with this peculiar look on her face, and I fell. Before I conclude this sorry tale, I, I have a confession of my own. I have not been completely honest with any of you. For you see, I, Sheldon H. Fig, esteemed and celebrated detective, was brought here as a hired killer. What? What? Oh my. Miss What? I'm so confused. The piece of the letter was yours? Sadly, it's true. As I began this conversation by saying, all of the events here have been rooted in our pasts, mine included. I was once a young man, a, a man of great intellect and education, but no noble lineage, I'm sad to say. I think I know that story all too well, old Bean. Oh, Samuel, do let that go for now. Tony, calm down. I think I've had quite enough of you telling me what to do for the time being, Mr. Anderson Watts. Please, continue, Mr. Fig. Well, I had one true love of my life. A beautiful auburn-haired girl of quick wit, charisma, and verve. A girl named Agatha Warburston. Oh, Shelton, is this necessary? Yes, I'm afraid so. You see, I was so in love with Aggie, as I called her then, that I now know I even helped her cover up a murder. She hinted at it at dinner when she said she knew someone who got away with murder. I see that now. It was the first in what I now believe became many crimes. For Agatha Wolverson will never be satisfied with what she has. 
will never have enough power. Dear God, what was the murder? Sheldon, you've gone quite gaga in your dotage. He's referring to the death of my best friend. Her name was Lucille. She was very beautiful, vivacious, richer than me, more popular than me. She had an accident. We were ice skating. She fell through the ice. I tried to save her, but to no avail. I've tried to forget ever since. It was just awful. Well, that sounds just like an accident. It was, except that dear Agatha then received not only Lucille's prized possession, a large ruby and diamond ring worth more than this estate. I think you're familiar with it, Ronald? <laughs> she tried to play it off as an heirloom to me yesterday, but I remembered. She also ended up marrying Lucille's then beau, Reginald Warmerston. Yes, Reginald. What a prize to be won. She would have been welcome to him. There was also an eyewitness who said it had looked like Agatha had been holding Lucille's head under the water. But I helped convince that witness that they were mistaken. Helped Agatha in the blind and selfish faith that she would perhaps reward me by loving me back as I loved her. Sheldon, I did love you. I do love you. We just couldn't ever have been together in that way. We aren't suited. It would never work. And I, of course, I didn't kill that girl. I would never. I was talking about... I don't think anything ever works for you, Aggie. Nothing is ever enough. Sheldon, you're being rather dramatic. I think all of this is getting to you. Samuel, may I ask what happened to your mother? M my mother? She had been living in London. She was having an affair with some investments-type bloke. She fell onto a train track one night at rush hour. She was on her way home to see me. Never really forgave myself for that. Did she ever tell you who your father was? Sheldon Fig, you are utterly determined to make this tragedy into a sordid soap opera for your own amusement. Samuel, dear, if this is too painful... Answer the question, please, Mr. Coward. Never. It was tough when I was a kid. Little blighters at school used to tell me she didn't know. Because there had been so many men. How is it that you needed 700 pounds? That's a bloody fortune! Were you betting on the ponies again? Some things never change. Number of things. Um, I had a pretty nasty gambling habit, as the lovely Miss Belmont just pointed out. And I had been meeting with Simone, because she kept saying that she could tell me who my father was. But every time we talked, she would just demand money from me. I believe that you and Simone had more in common than you realized. Lady Wolverston, your husband was a gambler, I understand? Yes. He was as hopeless at that as he was everything else. And you were always faithful? I know that he had a mistress who lived in uh, London, I believe. This is certainly unnecessary, Sheldon. Aggie, as you said, I typically have proof before I make an accusation. Yes. Yes. I made one mistake. Just one. Men have never truly held that much interest for me. They're more just a means to an end. But it resulted in a child. Since I didn't think I was able to have children, I didn't know I was pregnant until it was... 
too late. When you went on that sleep cure in Switzerland. That was about 25 years ago. Well done, Ronald. That first-rate education is finally paying off. I gave birth to a girl. Her father was a tradesman. Good-looking, but nothing of substance. I couldn't possibly bear the scandal. So I had her raised in schools on the continent. I brought her here as a governess when I thought it was safe. I had her use the name of a girl that I knew had died. And how did you know that? Because she and I, and my mother before me, had worked in our business. But I believe that Inspector Olcrist and Mr. Fig have already figured this all out. Indeed. Which business is that? Jewelry thieving, of course. Though we did occasionally take some fine art, too. Aren't I a thief? Why? Because, Donald, life is boring. If I was a man, I probably could have used my intellect and flair to create some sort of legitimate fortune. But being born into the fair sex required some more creativity. Yes, I had made a tidy sum over the years, enough to take care of Simone. Well, her real name was Annerly. But my husband was such a drain on my finances. I couldn't keep anything hidden from him. And that mistress of his had such expensive taste. Well, and a child of her own to take care of. A boy, I believe? Yes, a boy. Dear God. A shove on the back for her and a touch of arsenic in his coffee, was it, Aggie? If you don't have proof, I am not going to help you. I have the proof that you hired me. You hired me with the intent for me to poison Annabella. I would simply say that it was a, a little joke. And you are the one who poisoned the lovely Annabella, not I. My hands are clean. Ah, <clears throat> I believe that's what I can take over the narrative. You see, Mr. Fig here is very perceptive, and he noticed that I was here before the murder of Ellie had been discovered. And he wondered why. And the answer, well, that answer is quite simple. I was hired by Lady Annabella herself. What? Why on earth would Bella hire you? She was sure that someone had been trying to kill her. She was even more certain that someone had killed her parents. In fact, she had proof of that. What do you mean by that? Mr. Fig has already said it. English villages are close-knit and breathe as one. So when a prominent couple die when returning from holiday and their daughter gets the car checked, well, that makes quite a stir when it's obvious that the brakes have been cut. And that's where I came in. I met Lady Annabella at a charity event in London back in October. She was grilling me on fingerprint evidence and its accuracy. She contacted me after and said that she had proof her parents had been killed by a family member. And she thought she might be next. I agreed to take the case while on my holiday so as not to waste the yard's time, which, as it turned out, I needn't have bothered. Well, this has been pretty productive. What is this fingerprints nonsense anyway? But you already know, I think. It's yours, of course. Uh, uh, 
Aunt Aggie, I am not going down alone for this. You were the one who hired me. I have the transactions to prove it. It was you. Oh, do shut up, you twit. They don't have enough evidence. Just shut up. I will not, Ultras. Look, I needed money. She knows I needed money, and she gave it to me. I have the paper trail. I'll show it all to you. And by she, you mean? Lady Wolverston, of course. Wait, what about Bella? Mr. Fig killed her? I most assuredly did not. I had been intrigued by Lady Wolverston's message to me. I had wanted to reconnect with the girl who I truly, at one point, loved. And to be honest, I was feeling out of touch with the world in retirement. <laughs> and what detective hasn't thought about what he would do if the shoe was on the other foot, so to speak? But no, I got here, I, I met the lovely Annabella, and there was no real connecting with you, Aggie. You let the lust for power and greed take over. I always had a feeling that this house was dormant, but it was actually infested, like weeds over flowers. And you, my beautiful friend, are the weed choking the life out of all its inhabitants. Sheldon, this is all just fantasy. No one will believe you. It's preposterous. So I decided not to follow through. I put my nose to the grindstone to try to unravel who could have killed Ellie and Bella. And I have at least solved one mystery. Uh, here again, I must show my hand. I haven't been entirely honest either. You'll recall... Lady Annabella's passing, I believe it was Samuel who thought she may have had a fit. Well, if you'll recall, I examined her and said she was dead, and we took her body to the village. Well... I only took a sedative. Bella Opening? Bella? Alive? How's this possible? You're alive? We wanted to shake the ants out from under their rock, and, well, we've certainly done that. The return of Lady Annabella from the dead was a surprise, to say the least. All Christ and his assistants from Scotland Yard took away half the party. It was a hall of criminals like England had never seen. At least, that's what the headlines read. A few weeks later, we reconvened at Bowton Manor to hear Lady Annabella's side of the story. And Inspector Orchrist was so kind to enable my little plan, even going as far as to make a reading of my will. It's been awful. I had this constant sense of impending doom, and it felt so melodramatic and silly, but I just felt that evil was near. Yes, dear Anne. Yes. Luckily, I left the little wrapper to my tablet that I stole from Anderson next to me, and Orchrist was able to scoop it up in a way. That would have given everything away. So that's why you were being so flirty with Anderson and hanging all over him. Yes, I'm afraid it was They're rather evil. calculated. Oh, but Tony, you're so much better off without him. He was really such a cold fish. And now I'm hearing everything else. You may be right. I really did think I loved him. But it, it might have been my head being all mixed up all the time. 
or that I was just so desperate to be loved. Maybe I'll be all right on my own. I think you'll be just fine. I hope you know that I knew nothing about the whole nasty business with your parents. I really didn't. I never particularly liked Ronald, but I had no idea that he was that awful. Susan, I was hoping that you'd stay on with me. This house is so large, and since all of my staff were criminals, I need help running it. Bitsy, or Petra, excuse me. I'd love to have you hired on to help with the children. Well, I probably need help too, having just recently been dead for a few days. And Ashley will be just around the corner. We would love that. Oh, Bella, you don't mind that Petra and I? <laughs> Not at all, my dear. And we will always be close. Well, Annabella Bowden, I had been intending to finish my book on the minor scandals of the Bowden family. But now... I believe I'm going to write the world's greatest bestseller about that criminal mastermind, Lady Agatha Wolverston. I'll change the names, of course, and market it as fiction. Well, I am sure it will make for great, if unbelievable, entertainment. And do, please, feel free to stay on here as long as you like. And you too, Tony. I may take you up on that old thing. I need a rest. From the male species, mainly. Mr. Fig, I do have one question. How did Simone, or Annerly, or whatever her real name was, how did she die? Do you recall that there were three missing vials from Mr. Watts' bag of goodies? I would imagine that the lovely Aggie slipped it into her hand to give Simone a relatively painless way out, and to protect her own skin. The evil... I can't believe none of us noticed. Well, except you, of course, Bella, old bean. Well done. Oh, Ashley, old man, do you see, Dot? I found this ring of yours in my pocket. Thank you, Samuel. That may come in handy again, sooner rather than later. Samuel's face bore a sheepish smile. I was glad that he had returned the ring. He was, as I had always surmised, a genuinely nice young man. I had hated to have him branded a thief. Meanwhile, Lord Ashley Carrington looked adoringly at the woman we had known as Bitsy Carraway. Lady Susan and her children looked like a family for the first time since I'd known them. Even Anne was parting her fringe a little and greeting the world full on. As for Lady Annabella, she looked the picture of health and content with her lot. That is how I remember them, and that is how I close that case in my mind. The most intriguing I ever faced. The tragedy of my own life. Watching the woman I love become a monster to her own ambitions. I have never since been tempted to commit a crime now, at my advanced age, I'd hardly be capable of it. <laughs> at least not physically. But mine has been a life well lived. As I sit in my dotage in this nursing home, 
I smile. For yes, truly, I have lived. listening to an engagement with murder the inaugural mystery here on murder in your ear next up we head to the deep south to mississippi where one of the premier citizens of great falls has been murdered at her own dinner party but who killed galen bell simmons tune in next week to find out in murder is no game